awesome. Hey guys, grab your Bibles, if you don't mind. If you keep a keep a keep Genesis three ready, but we're going to start here in Daniel chapter Daniel chapter two. <clears throat> Ah, it's good to see you this morning. Good morning to everyone. Um, Thank you. I was standing over there. I usually stand on the side and worship when you guys are singing, and I'm singing with you. Part's because if I'm back there, I feel like I'm a little two-tone. I can't always see the words, so I go to the side. The other reason I want to be with you, and the last reason is because I... It's going to sound weird, but I'm blessed when I see you worship. Um... And I thought through our first night again, and I was just kind of like, we're here, we're exhausted, and maybe, you're just, maybe some just not into it. And then that last song, we start moving the next morning, which is, i got to be honest, usually the mornings of camps, man, that's the hard one, uh, even to preach, because you, you just see people's throats. They're like this the whole time, oh. or you see them doing this all the time. They, they look like they're head banging, but they're falling asleep, or they, they forget to finish a blink. Like, they're just, you're losing it. I get it. But I'm watching you guys worship, and I thought, God, thank you. You always have a remnant. And I keep, I, but guys, I've been praying this for years and years and years that, God, would you raise up this younger generation to be the revival generation? Like, friends, you don't have to wait until you're old. You don't have to wait until you're older. One of the reasons I love the book of Daniel is because they're teenagers when they start out. David was a teenager when he jacked up Goliath. And when God decided to invade the planet as a person, he picked the womb of a teenage girl. And so I don't ever want you to think that you can't do something for the Lord right now. And so I'm still praying that, God, would you make this the revival generation that convicts those of us who are older that our faith isn't strong enough, and that you would teach us again, what does it look like to be united and unified as the body of Jesus, to be committed to the word of God, to be on mission because we believe in the necessity of people coming and surrendering to Jesus that his gospel is absolutely life-changing and life-transforming. Guys, that's my prayer for your generation. Oh, how I pray you would step into that. I pray that this is, maybe this is a catalyst for this. And when you go back tomorrow and you hit back on campus, that maybe this year could be different than the normal Christian school year where you just show up into chapel and you just kind of get through it and then you go off and then you come back and you've got Bible class and and maybe this is the time where all of a sudden that surrounding community around your campus, man, they notice the difference of these followers of Jesus who are teenagers. So I just wanted to encourage you, there's nothing holding you back. And I'm so thankful that God, I, I believe it was him just reminding me or showing me, I should say, he still got this. He still got this. So let me pray. Shall we? Let me pray. We're going to jump in. <clears throat> Holy Spirit, would you take the lead this morning? 
As I stood on the side, I confessed to you that I don't know that I prayed for this morning before I came out. And then I just started to pray, God, please, would you take control? Nothing that's life-transforming can happen outside of you doing it. And so, Holy Spirit, I, I submit myself to you. We submit ourselves to you. Help us to be teachable and humble to receive your instruction. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would keep my agenda and my opinions to myself. May only your truth come forth. And would you comfort during this time? This is a heavier topic, God. And I thank you that you love us enough to not pull back. That you love us enough to tell us the truth and to deal with things that maybe we want to ignore or push to the side. I pray that you would help me to help me to move and to speak in a place from, from a place of shepherd and not just truth teller. God, have your way. We pray this in Jesus' name. And everyone who agrees says, Amen. So if you remember at the end of Daniel chapter 2, uh, Daniel, he, he told Nebuchadnezzar his dream, what it meant. Nebuchadnezzar was blown away by it. You get to verse 46. Then, then King Nebuchadnezzar fell upon his face and paid homage to Daniel. And I think that's an important thing here, friends. It's like he goes to, he goes to the ground and he pays homage to Daniel. Not to God, but to Daniel. We kind of have like this Christian culture thing, this Christian subculture. If I could just meet that, now this is me speaking, but maybe some of you guys can understand and relate. So if I could just meet that pastor or preacher and like, oh my gosh, listen to how they do things and what they're doing. And if we do what they're doing, we're going to see the same results. It's almost like at times we can find ourselves paying homage to the person rather than to God. He doesn't submit to God. He doesn't pay homage to him. But the way that he speaks sounds pretty close. It says, paid homage to Daniel and commanded that an offering and incense be offered up to him, be offered up to Daniel. Then the king answered and said to Daniel, truly your God is God of gods and Lord of lords and a revealer of mysteries for you have been able to reveal this mystery. That sounds pretty good, right? Like what he said sounds pretty right on. When you go over to switch, uh, flip over to chapter 3. Nebuchadnezzar, when he sees Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are delivered, he says, uh, Nebuchadnezzar, verse uh, 26, then Nebuchadnezzar came near to the door of burning fiery furnace. He declared, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the most high God, come out and come here. And then they came out from the fire, verse 27, and the satraps and the prefects and the governors and the king's counselors gathered together and saw that the fire had not had any power over the bodies of those men. The hair of their heads was not singed. Their cloaks were not harmed. No smell of the fire had come upon them. Nebuchadnezzar answered and said, Blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who has sent his angel and delivered his servants who trusted him and set aside the king's command, yielded up their bodies rather than serve and worship any god except their own god. Therefore, I make a decree. Any people, nation, or language that speaks anything against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego shall be torn limb from limb, and their houses laid in ruins. For there is no other God who is able to rescue in this way. And you hear that declaration, you're going, man, I think he got it. And then you look at his life. Friends, there's this word that I wonder if, it's, it's if, if we've kind of pushed it to the side, and yet it's a requirement. It's a necessity. And it's the word repent. Anybody know what the word means? 
I mean, if you just break it down, anybody, raise your hand. If anyone wants to go for it. The word repent, what does it mean to repent? Because it's like one of those old school Bible words, right? You want to go for it? Turn away from, yeah. So it's it, perfect. So it's like I'm going one direction. To repent means make a 180 and go the other direction. Friends, it's not like playing zone defense. It's like here's sin and here's Jesus. And I can kind of see both. And I wonder how many of you actually think that this is right. This is okay. We can sit and we can justify. We can't expect me to be perfect all the time. Yeah, I, I can't. And I know I'm not. But I definitely don't want to give sin any of my attention. That if I repent from it, I want to turn to Jesus. But think about it. Aren't you tempted by the things that are fun? Like, isn't sin fun at times? Let's be honest. Like, I've never sat there and go, guys, would you pray for me? Just pray for me. I just really want to slam my head into that wall. Would you pray I don't? Would you pray I don't? Guys, that's not it. It's always something that's fun for the moment. And yet what we talked about, that God sets up commandments and rules and statutes for what? For our joy, for our good. So he sets those things up because he knows what sin does. But here's the thing, friends. We did not become sinners when we sinned. It's not like once we sinned, then we're sinners. Guys, the Bible says we're conceived into sin. It's passed down. The reason that I sin is because I'm a sinner. You're like, oh, I'm really glad I came to chapel this morning. Is this the topic? Yep. Because, friends, we have to tackle this. We have to understand this. Friends, I'm convinced that there are a whole lot of people that don't know Christ that don't see a whole lot of difference in us. We can say the words and we can sing the songs and we can raise our hands during worship and, and we can go on a Sunday morning and fulfill our quote-unquote obligation and all the while not be living in or with Jesus. That if we can just kind of play the role and people would think and you might sound the part just like Nebuchadnezzar did. But now here's the thing, friends. People should be able to see that I love Jesus and not, hear that, and not just hear that I do. Now, that is not a justification for this. Guys, it is wrongly attributed to good old St. Francis of Assisi. Has anyone ever heard this statement? Preach the gospel at all times. Use words when necessary. Have you ever heard that one? Do you realize he never said that? Never said it. I mean, he told the monks that he was, that he was loving and leading. He told them, hey, people, like when you preach, man, you should preach with boldness, but people should see the message of what you preach and how you live. But he never said, preach the gospel at all times, use words only when necessary. Friends, I think we adopted that. Why? Because we're so afraid to actually share the gospel. Because we're afraid that what if I can't answer the question? Or what if people don't like what it is that I said? Guys, good works, they don't save us. They don't get me to heaven. But good works will show that I have surrendered to Jesus. My life should show that I'm different. And every day, making conscious decisions and choices to go away from sin. Guys, here's the beauty. How many of you guys, at least by a show of hands, you've heard the word confess? Okay, so you hear the word confess. It's like this, okay, it's a super religious word. Guys, it's just to agree with God. I agree, God, this is sin. I'm so sorry. And then repentance. Guys, it's not just repent one time and then get saved. It's repent all the time. I don't like where my thoughts were going this morning. God, I'm so sorry. I repent. I want to come back to your mind, your way of doing things. 
There's this desire that my sinful nature still has, this flesh that, this flesh that I still have to deal with. It wants things that go against you. God, I don't want that. I want what you have. It's this constant, the beauty of the invitation to repent from sin and to Jesus. Oh, it's freeing. It's not like God's condemning me every time I do it. I just confess, God, I'm so sorry, I don't like that. And to hear his constant invitation, come here, come to me, come to me, come to me. Let's keep walking, let's keep going. To learn to walk at the pace of Jesus with Jesus. Guys, in Genesis, you can flip there now to Genesis chapter three. As you turn in there, Genesis one and two is pretty much the description of God, of God creating everything. So it's like chapter one's the the big picture of it. I remember when I brought up the DNA stuff and how you're created and all these cells and DNA and all that stuff. I want you to get it. When you get to chapter one, you see verse 27. So God created man or humanity in his own image. In the image of God, he created him male and female. He created them. Oh, I love that verse because you weren't an accident. I mean, you look at the days of creation and that last days, like I'm gonna create humanity. And so it's this big picture. Then he gave us responsibility. When you get to chapter one, verse 31, it says, God saw everything that he had made and behold, it was very good. Guys, you know what that word very good means? I looked it up, I was just curious, a while, a while back. Here's what, the, here's what that word means in the Hebrew. Good, merry, pleasant, desirable, in order, usable, efficient, friendly, kind, morally good, excellent, happy, and right. That's what that word means. It wasn't like, oh, God did a pretty good job. Good job, God. You did it. No, he did it perfect. It's the perfection of his creation. I mean, the epitome. Everything works when God creates it. Guys, think about it. It took us two chapters to get to the third we get to the third chapter and we broke it all. I mean, it was all perfect. God's like, I'm gonna hand this over to you, give you responsibility. Then we get to chapter three, boom, broke it. Chapter three, verse one. Now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, did God actually say, stop there for just a second. Did God actually say? You ever notice that's the same tactic he uses today? Did God actually say, are you telling me that you're going to take this book and you're going to live according to this book that's a couple thousand years old? Do you not understand how the times are changing, things are changing, culture's changing, social norms are changing? You need to catch up with the times. Let this thing go, or better yet, just pick the parts that you like. Isn't that how it is? Isn't it amazing? All we need is love. Isn't there a song about that? I'm not going to sing it because you wouldn't come back. But all we need is love. That's all we need. But you need to define what love is. I have to have a definition of love of what love is. And this is kind of what love has become. Either just accept me for who I am. Okay. But is it loving? If I do that with my kids as they're growing up and say at five, they go, just accept me for who I am, Dad. Just accept me for who I am. Okay. So now that Tyler's 19, I'm like, don't change, buddy. You should still act like you're five. 
Isn't it weird? It's like, I would never do that. I want them to grow up and I want them to, you know, advance as humans and make an impact. But no, just accept me for who I am. Guys, God loves us too much to just leave us there. So is love just accept people who are Or it's that Disney bubble. You know, you're just kind of walking along and then love just captures, bam, oh. And just kind of floating around, I'm in love. Oh, I'm in love, I'm in love. My heart's just beating, I'm in love. And then all of a sudden, pop, I can't stand that person. So it's all driven by what? Emotion. So love is a feeling, that's all that it is? So it's a feeling and just accept me for who I am. Let me read it. I love the fact that the scriptures, they deal with these issues. This is the love chapter. This is the chapter that's read at a lot of weddings. Love is patient. And love is kind. It doesn't envy or boast. It's not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice. Here it is. Listen to this part too. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing but rejoices with the truth. Friends, if you don't believe that there's truth, hmm, how do I say this as lovingly, but what? If you don't believe that there's truth, then you suck at loving because you don't believe in truth. It's right there. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. I'll be honest, guys. I read this list and I go, I suck at loving. Because now i got to put my name in there. Brian is patient and kind. Oh, cram. Anybody lose your temper since you've been up here? Put your hands up. Come on. Now, you look, now point to the person that did it to you. I'm just joking. Don't do that. <laughs> Brian is patient. Don't do that. I was just joking. Okay. Brian is patient and kind. I was like, dang it. Brian doesn't envy or boast. Oh, cred. You ever wanted something that somebody had? Maybe even look to God going, how come they get it and I don't? I'm better than they are. Brian's not arrogant or rude. I've been known to be rude here and there, yep. He goes on, I mean, he goes on. Brian does not insist on his own way, shoot. He's not irritable or resentful, dang it. He doesn't rejoice in wrongdoing. Sometimes I do, isn't it fun? He rejoices in the truth. Brian bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. And I sit and go, God, I can't love like this. You see how it's not just accept people for who they are, it's just a bubble that kind of floats you around until you fall out of it because you don't want it anymore? Do you realize that now it's an action and you have to make the decision to do this? It's a decision. And when you have to make decisions or resolve, there's nothing sexy about that. It's not like that, oh, romantic thought. It just happens. You know when you love them. No, you know when you love them by if you're loving them. That's when you know you're loving. So did God actually say, did God actually say, and here's my fear, friends, if you're like a lot of people who call themselves followers of Jesus have no clue how to answer the question because they don't know what God says. They don't know. They don't spend time reading what he says. So did God actually say you should not eat of any tree in the garden? And isn't it just like the serpent to make it like that? Did he say you can't have any fun? Did God act? You can't have anything. No tree in the garden at all. Now, 
She gives an answer. The woman said to the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the tree in the garden, but God said, you shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden, neither shall you touch it lest you die. Did God ever say, don't touch it? No. Who would put that rule on it, though? I would. Just stay away. Don't touch it. I would put that on there, but here's what she did. She attributed what she set up as a standard to help her obey what God says. She attributed it to God. Friends, we have to be careful. You guys ever heard that uh, from, the, from the Ten Commandments? Do not, take the Lord's, do not take the Lord's name in vain. You know that one? And so what we've, what we've dumped it down to is, and understand when I say this, and I don't believe I'm being cursed for this, we just think it means don't say, oh my God. Now, I don't think we should. I don't like to use his name as some kind of flippant word. I don't like when I hear people say Jesus Christ in the tone of a curse. That's not what, and think about it. Isn't that what the enemy wants? But it means this, attributing something to God that God never said and he's not about. So to take his name, his renown, his reputation, to place him on something that I think should happen when it's not in the scriptures, when he doesn't convey it as God's will, but for me to say, God wants you, but I can't back it up, that's to take his name in vain. How dare we? Verse four, but the serpent said to her, you're not surely gonna die. For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you'll be like God, knowing good and evil. Guys, there's a couple things that she, there, that she was tempted with. What is it? Anybody want to tell me? I know this is a hard morning. Let's see if we can be a little more interactive. What was the temptation? Anybody want? This side says no. How about this side? I was like, son of a, somebody. Yeah. yeah. To be like God. That's the first one, right? Man, if you eat of this, you could be like God knowing good and evil. Guys, I'm really tired of knowing good and evil. Does anybody remember when you were five, it was just fun? I mean, maybe someone had a background where five was hard, and I'm so sorry. I just remember five, jump on the bike, ride. Ride across the street. My buddy, a buddy of ours lived across the street. We played chips. Anybody remember chips? It's like that old school cop show. No, nobody knows that. So, but they're just, they're like, they're motorcycle cops, which is kind of funny because now my brother's a motorcycle cop and he has the ugliest mustache I've ever seen, but it's like kind of fitting. And I tell him, it's like, that thing has its own person. You should create an Instagram account just for that because it's so nasty. But we would play that. Just leave the house, jump on a bike, go across the street. I usually had the green machine, which nobody knows what it, like a big wheel, but better. And so I was the guy in the car. We're just, I mean, just all day. And the rule was when it gets dark, come home which I now look back and realize that maybe my parents are like, we just need you away. Get away from us. I'm like, okay, I'm gonna go play. And it was just fun. I, don't want, I didn't know good and evil, just play. Isn't it amazing that that was the temptation? If you eat of this, you'll be like, God, you'll get to know good and evil. Here's the other thing that he was saying though. God's holding out on you. He knows that if you do this, you'll get this. You, you gotta trust me, God is holding out on you. Sorry about that. God is holding out on you. Guys, he still does the same thing. That's why we think he's the ultimate killjoy. It goes on. Verse six, so when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, justification number one, and that it was a delight to the eyes, justification number two, and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, justification number three, she took of its fruit and ate. She came up with three reasons as to why this was acceptable, even though God said don't. 
Friends, we got to remember, we kind of do the same thing, and we get enough people around us that agree with us, then we can do it, and God must be okay with it. Friends, God is not afraid of anyone. He's not intimidated by anyone. It's like, it could be nine billion people standing before God saying, I disagree with you on this, and God's like, I don't care. He's always right. But friends, if he's always right, that shouldn't frustrate us. That, fr- that should free us, because we can always ask him, what do you want? Here's the other part that always hits me. She took of its fruit and ate, and she also gave some to her husband who was with her. And he ate. I'm like, Adam, what are you doing? You're just standing there. I mean, before he shows up, he's like, I want you to work the ground, keep it. I want you to keep. That word keep means to protect or to guard creation. Here he is, just standing there. Just look, he's like, oh, that's a Duncan snake. That's awesome. She's just having a conversation, and he's over there going, oh, oh what's going to happen next? And then she eats. He's like, here, you can have some too. He's like, oh. And then their eyes are opened, and they realize they were naked. That's the most awkward realization ever. You don't know naked before this moment. You're not wearing clothes, and I got a bone to pick with them. Because ever since then, there's, this, there's, there's been this thing called Laundry. And it's not even, it's like, this is us. We go, I hate laundry. This is our laundry. You throw it into a machine, and that sucker does all the work, and then you pull it out, but then you have to fold it. And I hate it, especially the socks. And how many of you lose a sock every time? It's like, where did it go? I lost a sock at Hume. Seriously, I was here for two, two weeks back to back. I did the laundry between... I asked my wife how to do it because I don't do it as often. She's super great. I was like, so it's like, okay, and the machines are kind of old, but they worked. And then I thought, okay, I'm going to be the guy. Like my wife, she always loses the socks. I'm going to be the man to show. You know, I don't lose socks. I lost a, I lost a freaking sock. Like I'm pulling them out. I'm like, where's the sock? No one used it. I'm the only one that used it. I'm like, man, I think there's some, there's some conspiracy. I think every company is like, we need to develop dryers and washing machines that just suck one in. Suck one in. Guys, laundry, man, it sucks. Before this, there was none of it. So you imagine sitting there going, oh, uh, talking to a serpent, butt naked. Don't even know what naked means because it's just normal. And all of a sudden, you take a bite, and you're like, what the? What the? Let's call this naked. This is not right. And then watch what they do. You know what they did after that? They, they made clothing out of leaves. What are they, five? (laughs) Guys, is that the dumbest thing to pick? Leaves. Leaves dry out. Talk about chafing. Like, that's just not comfortable. Like, this is so uncomfortable. But we kind of cover up our shame with all this other stuff that's not a solution. It's just a quick fix. Right? We're no different than this. In verse 8, they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. Guys, you realize that this was the first time ever that they ran from God because they were what? Ashamed. Shame wasn't a reality before this. Everything came. All this negative junk that we see, all the things that we experience. Guys, insecurities. Guys, you realize 99% of the time, right before I go up to speak or preach somewhere, I either text my wife if she's not with me, or I look at it and go, I can do this, right? I said, God's opened the door. 30 years I've been doing this. 
I still say the same thing. It's not like this good luck charm. It's just like, I can do this, right? I can do this, right? Insecurity, and praise God, there's been growth, but it still kind of jumps in there. Shame, insecurity. They ran from him rather than to him. I doubt this is the first time that he'd walked through the garden in the cool of the day. In verse 9, but the Lord God called to the man and said to him, where are you? And he said, I heard the sound of you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, and I hid myself. And he said, who told you you were naked? Uh-oh. Guys, have you ever said something to your parents? You're trying to get out of something, and you said something a little too off, and all of a sudden they have that look like, whoa. And then your heart just feels like it's going to explode, or it drops into your bowels. Like, oh, oh, no. Wait, 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 wait. Guys, this is, this is who Hume picks to be your speaker. When I was in high school, our job, my brother and I, our one chore was to clean the whole house on Fridays. Everything. And I had the vacuum. I don't like, and back then, and my day, and my day. Like, it was a vacuum. I mean, we have like robot vacuums now. I have three of them at home. You're like, why? One downstairs, one in the other room that the other one will get to, and one upstairs because I don't like the vacuum. It's like, well, how lazy are you? Okay. But back then, it's like this massive, all old people, remember the vacuums back in the day? It's like every time you pull it out, it's like, you got to stretch. Because if you don't, you get a hernia. It's like, what the? I hated it. So I was like, oh, I don't want to do it, but I got to make it look like I did it. So here's what I did. Camp speaker. Smart. Mm -mm. I took the vacuum through the whole house, and I made the tracks, but I didn't plug it in. Right? So I went through the whole, thank you. Thanks for making me feel so stupid. like, what? I don't know who said that, but my soul hurts. Okay, so I'd go through the whole house. I made the tracks, got away with it, put it away. Hernie is still there. I'm sitting, mom comes in from work and she goes, hey, Brian, hey, great job. The house looks great, guys. And then she, as she, I don't know, five minutes later, she goes, Brian, can you come here for a second? Yeah, mom. Hey, did you vacuum today? Yeah, look at the tracks. And she goes, why didn't it pick up all this then? Oh, no. Your vacuum sucks. Did you vacuum? No. And then she says, but she made the tracks. Why didn't you just plug it in? I'm an idiot. I don't know. <laughs> then we try to get away with things with God as if he's like, I didn't even know. He sees it all. Who told you you were naked? Have you eaten of the tree of which I command you not to eat? The man said, the woman, the woman who you gave to be with me, she gave me fruit of the tree and I ate. Oh, what a great husband. He just threw his wife under the bus called God. But who else did he blame? God. The woman you gave to be with me wasn't my fault. It was hers and yours. I can't help it. It's how I think. This is how I feel. Therefore, this must be the truth, how I think or feel. Rather than God saying, I understand that, but this is what I want, decide to obey. Isn't it amazing how quick we just jump into this story? We could put our names in this story. We fit perfectly. Look to the woman. What have you done? Devil made me do it. Pass the blame. Not my fault. And so when God convicts us, do we blame it's not my fault. You know my heart, God. You know my heart. Guys, my heart outside of Christ is depraved 
I'm evil. There's nothing that I can offer to God. So what's he do? He curses the serpent, curses the woman, curses the man like he said he would. Death enters in everything that we see going on in the world where we just sit there and go, it's out of control. It's out of control. Why? Because we broke it. And it's now sin is passed down from person to person to person, and it all started here, friends. It is impossible for us to make ourselves right with God. It is impossible for us to stand before God without God and be forgiven in right relationship with him. There is not enough good things that we could do to get to heaven. But heaven's not even the main point of it all. I cannot be right before God without God mercifully intervening by his grace, giving me faith necessary that I could surrender to his lordship. But sin, it's not just I made a mistake. Sin is active rebellion against the holy God of the universe. And we are all guilty. But I have to at least give one last thing here. And we'll deal with it more tonight. After he does all this, one of my favorite verses is verse 21 of chapter 3. Hang in there with me. Ready? I just want to do something for just a second. Just for those that were sleeping. Here we go. Chapter, chapter 3, verse 21. And the Lord God made for Adam and for his wife garments of skins and clothed them. It's one of my favorite verses in the whole Bible. You're like, it's kind of boring. It's just a narrative. No, no. Guys, there is so much packed into that. As they're standing there, a bunch of leaves all over their body. This is our clothing that we made to cover our shame, and yet it hasn't changed anything. God, by his grace, is the one who initiates this. They did not ask, can you do something about this? He does it. He makes the decision. He says, I will do this. And what does he do? He makes garments of what? Skin. Skin from an animal, right? How do, you get skin off, how do you get skin off of an animal? You have to do what to the animal? Kill it. Friends, do you realize that this is the first innocent thing that was killed so that God could cover the sin and the shame of those who were guilty? Guys, do you realize that in Genesis chapter 3 when we broke it, it's in that same chapter that God says, this is how I'm going to fix it. That act points us to what Jesus came to do for us. Can I pray for us? We're going to leave it there, and we'll talk about more, more tonight. Let me pray. God, I thank you. I thank you that you tell us the truth. God, it's humbling as I sit and think, my sinfulness is so wretched. And yet, you step forward in grace. But God, I pray that the weight of sin, it, it is on us. We feel it. Because I really believe that it makes the gospel beautiful. God, I pray, Holy Spirit, would you convict of sin would you show us where we're missing the mark? That we could confess it and agree with you and repent from it. But Holy Spirit, I thank you that you won't relent. You will press in on these things. But you will do that for our good. You want to heal us completely. But Holy Spirit, please do that. Show me. Show me where, I'm, where I've been missing it today. 
God, I want to be, I want to be tight. I want intimacy with you. I don't want to be controlled by sin in any way. But especially, God, for those who don't know you, they've never surrendered to Jesus. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would bring them to the point where if they have to look up, that things get so hard and conviction gets so heavy that they look up to see the grace and the beauty of Jesus, that they would come to surrender to Jesus. So, God, thank you. Thanks for your word. Thanks for telling us the truth. Thanks for loving us enough to tell us the truth. We pray this in Jesus' name. And everyone who agrees says... Amen. Love you more than you know.